The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, Hour 3 of the Tom Sumner Program and Part 2 of Armchair Politics. We had some technical difficulties with Part 1, but uh, we're, we're back up and on the air now for uh, Part 2. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always oh, good to be back. good to be here and good to be back. And glad things are up and running. And uh, on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Hi, Tom. You're the best. I'm glad to see you back, buddy. Well, I'm 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 <laughs> limping along, Henry. I I haven't had a chance to reach out and connect uh, with Wes, but. Um, I, I'll I'll try to do that perhaps during our first break this hour, um, but uh, basically I I have um, a four thousand watt generator out on the deck that is <laughs> running the studio and my internet and and all of that, so we're up and running and maybe we can get this uh, second half of armchair politics accomplished and uh and and put away and then i can work on on the root of the of the whole problem but everything like seems to be, everything seems to be uh working for now as long as i don't run out of gas uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about that just as we were starting up right I, I, I didn't check that i just fired it up to make sure everything would work oh. um, but we were um we were doing. Uh, we were just about to get into the um, the quotes, but I think I'll. Uh, I think I'll. Tom, can I ask a quick question? Sure, go ahead. You got the generator going. That's costing you at least forty cents an hour, fifty cents an hour, and probably peak time. I I I no, see I how it. this could be. Yeah, I, I I appreciate where you're going with that. Fortunately, this is from a batch of gas I bought when it was not quite so expensive. Nevertheless, you were in good bargain on the gas. Yeah. Yeah, but but still, uh, we're trying to conserve uh, gasoline to reduce the carbon footprint and all of that stuff. <laughs> we shouldn't be talking that way. We got to save some resources for our kids. That's right. <laughs> um, no, but I, but you know, it's it's funny. I I I bought the the generator with winter storms in mind. Yeah, that's uh, what I thought around our house too. You got one right now. Yeah. 
and and we so anyway, we'll we'll just we'll treat this as a snow day and. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's probably probably a good way of labeling it. Yeah. Yeah, he has such great comebacks on rational, clever, funny, and engaging for your audience. Well, that's that's that, that's the value of live radio, right? Well, and and what I I, and I think what I will do. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do to fill that that middle hour where we were off the air. Um, but I'll I'll come up with something. The first hour of the show went fine, and hopefully this third hour of the show will be fine. And then, of course, you know it repeats online all day and night until tomorrow's show. And um, WFOV replays it at 9 p.m. But they pick it up from the stream, not from something they recorded from the first... Um, if you understand what I mean, this might be too too yeah, much inside yeah. baseball. Well, I, I was going to say, Tom, I think you've got at least one new listener. Last night I was at the uh, the car show in Flushing, and I ran into a student of mine who I had back in 1972, approximately. And I told him about the show, gave him a card, and he said he was going to be listening. So we may have at least one new listener today, <laughs> if he's tuned in. <laughs> And, well, and, it doesn't. And Tom, it doesn't always go this well. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tom, I've had people from Cryo call me and uh, somewhere and then say, and they often listen to the show, and um, they and some were principals, and they enjoyed the show. There were there are other people inside the city of Flint say uh, they like you. They didn't say they like me, but they say they like you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes it fun. Well, um, we didn't we didn't get to the the quotes when I first started. Um, you know, I, I usually start the show with a series of quotes, and and since we missed the uh, uh, first hour, uh, we didn't get to them. Um, I'll go ahead and pick up a couple now, and then we'll we'll race through the local, state, and national news before we get to the uh, X Files. Um, that sounds good. Here's the uh, the finish the quote, which is where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? Politics is not a game; it is what? Mm, how would you finish art. that quote? Yeah, it would be it's more like an art, something that you have to learn. And become proficient in art. Interesting. Um, the original quote is: "Politics is not a game; it is an earnest business." Mm. You know business. who said that? Gee, I'm just trying uh, to think. It, uh, Churchill? Oh, it was. It, Churchill it was indeed Winston Churchill. Oh, that was just a wild guess. That was just a wild guess. Yeah. A lot of times the wild guesses end up being Winston Churchill. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Okay, well, here's a a quote that got my attention this week. We know that Kansas will not be our last fight or our last victory. I saw that. I just I don't think you'll you'll know the name of the person who said it, so I don't want to leave you hanging. That was... uh, 
That One was, of the prosecutors? No, it was from uh, Alexis McGill Johnson, president of Planned Parenthood Action. Fund. I was going to say, why are a pro-choice group of some kind? Yeah, I thought. Democratic yeah. and Republican yeah. operatives acknowledged Wednesday that the result in Kansas, while limited to one state, yeah. could shift the way each party approaches the midterms. Democrats buoyed by polling and the Kansas result will likely attempt to make abortion a top issue in key races, hoping to link their Republican opponents to support for stricter abortion laws. Republicans, likewise, will continue to be cautious on the issue, largely ignoring their party's long-held desire to tighten abortion laws across the country and instead hoping to keep the focus on the economy. Will right to choose survive as a state's rights issue? Mm. Well, uh, there there are some issues here that we have have to be separated. Uh, the idea that I don't think that most people are against abortions, but they are, they have to be, there have to be conditions uh, that justify why you have an abortion. Not women who not just to go out and be uh, have a. Um, a relationship with a person and, and become pregnant, that's not good enough. You have to be responsible for your action so that you're, it's not costing uh, people anguish who think that that is a God-given detriment to humankind. And those but I think it will be a state-by-state state battle. I mean, I think it'll yeah, be a state-by-state state battle. Yeah. You're going to see some variation, but certainly the Kansas decision was a very dramatic Surprise yeah, to all kind of people. Nobody expected that out of Kansas, and that that really sends a warning to a lot of other states that this this may be a different kind of issue than a lot of people thought when the the Dobbs decision first came down a couple of months ago. But but as it makes its rounds around the states, will it have um, better luck than people had uh, fighting the NRA, for example? Hmm. And I'm talking about those people, like like Governor Whitmer, that are on the, the side of the right to choose. And, uh, you know, will they do better against right to life than, than gun control advocates did yeah, against the saying, NRA yeah. when they fought well, state certainly- by state? They're certainly hammering away at Tudor Dixon with that one ad on the abortion issue that I've seen a number of times in the last week. Um, you know, but I think Tudor Dixon brings a perspective that wasn't there before. She she now has women uh, elevating the, this uh, this whole idea of abortion rights to a height where women across the board can debate this issue. You ha- you have with both sides represented. We have not yeah. heard both sides represented in the past. We only heard the abortion rights people. But you got to have there are women that are on the other side of the issue that we haven't heard. And then you got to let men in on the on the uh, on the conversation too, because they know what a woman is, and they are. I think that they are feel ostracized by being intimidated by not being able to discuss this issue. Thank you. But I think it'll be a hot-button issue. I think it'll be a major issue for the campaign I mean, in ways that the gun control issue wasn't. The issue with guns was that the 
the real passion on, on that issue was was with the the, the pro gun people, if you will. They were smaller in numbers, but they were much more intense. Those who were in favor of gun control were more numerous, but they were a lot less intense. I think with the abortion issue, that the intensity may be as strong on the pro choice side as it is on the pro life side, and in general, the numbers would favor, at the moment at least, the pro choice side of the issue. Um, so I, I do see a difference between that and the gun issue, so far at least. Now that can, you know, six months from now that can change a lot. You know, but Paul, they say that, that um, you know, all of the polling numbers, you know, bear you out on that for the last several years, um, with the large number of Americans being supportive of right to choose or Roe v. Wade. Um, yeah. But I, I saw some numbers recently that make it look a lot closer. It may be. I mean, again, it's when you get down to the, to the fine details about exactly where you draw the lines, it may be that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a mixed decision. A lot of folks much more in the middle than the than either extremes. You, you, what, what yeah, expect. I think so. There are a lot more people in the middle. Yeah. We haven't heard from them yet. But, you know, the, the contrast I was drawing with the gun issue was that, you know, if you, if you did polls, you'd find a lot of polls that say, oh, 60% or two-thirds of the public were in favor of gun control. But it was never a hot-button issue for those folks. It was, you know, number 12 on their list no. of, of significant issues. But for the folks who were pro-gun, pro it was the number one issue. You know, out of my cold, dead hands, he's going to take my gun. Even though they weren't quite so numerous, they were much more intense on the issue and yeah. much more active and willing to support NRA-type groups. So, uh, But I think it's going to be different with the abortion issue, at least at the moment. So we'll see. Uh, but as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by how, how much that's, that's playing already in the gubernatorial campaign. That's the, that's the only, I think, the main anti-Tudor Dixon ad I've well, seen so far and, has been the abortion issue. Indeed, and, and that, um, there was another quote um, that is uh, related, and, and I'll, I'll just, we'll go ahead and see if we can knock this out before the break. She's the one that brought the lawsuit. I think we have the right to question her on the merits of her request for an injunction. Hmm. Well, you'll never uh, guess who said it. Going to say Dana Nessel? It was. Yeah, uh, I was going. David Coleman, an attorney representing prosecutors from Kent and Jackson counties. The prosecutors are among thirteen previously sued by Governor Whitmer in a case that. The oh. governor hopes results in the Michigan Supreme Court finding that the state constitution protects the right to an abortion. Is this the governor's fight? Oh, I I think she's made it her fight. Yeah, she's certainly made it. Yeah, I think she's made it her fight. But it's right yeah. now it is the women's fight. It's a, it's the women's fight. And without Roe v. Wade. And the existence of the 1931 abortion ban, how is it constitutionally protected, you know, even just in Michigan? How is the Constitution protected? No, the right to an abortion. Oh. Um, I, yeah, they're, they're trying to find a phrase in the Michigan Constitution. I think the... Um, I think that's a bit of a reach, but hey, we'll it, it may be. You know, it may, it may well be, but I think that that's at least the legal argument they're trying to make is if they find find the right to choose is, is a guaranteed right under the Michigan Constitution, that would override the 
the Supreme Court decision well, in Dobbs. We got to apply it to Michigan. We got to take a break here, but uh, we'll be back with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program um, right after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. 
And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation, uh, our weekly roundtable armchair politics with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, on uh, today's uh, edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Tom, can I just clarify one thing? Sure, you were, We were on the Bush and Wright's uh, last uh, segment. Yeah. I, I just want to clarify something here. Um, I am not against abortion rights, but I, I do feel that this has to be justified. For example, rape or incest. Incest is the worst. And uh, the save the life of mom. I'm with everybody on that issue. That is not a question. But uh, just going out to have one because you, the law permits you to have it, uh, that's what I have difficulty with. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well. You, you, even even Roe Wade, you know, had different kind of criteria for different trimesters. I mean, it, it, the right was was very absolute in the first trimester, somewhat limited in the second, and it could be forbidden in the third under under the original Roe Wade ruling back in in seventy three. Uh, so. Uh, in one sense, uh, the, the the criteria of Roe Wade would find an awful lot of acceptance, I think, around the country. Now, this is where women's rights should not be uh, interfered with, in this case, under those conditions. Yeah, yeah. But the others are problematic. <coughs> Some of them are problematic. And uh, we've heard lots of cases. Well, here's, here's an interesting one uh, from Flint City Hall. Mayor Sheldon Neely has signed off on new contracts with the two largest unions representing city employees. The city said in a news release that the contracts cover workers represented by uh, the American Federation of uh, State, County, and Municipal Employees, Locals 1600 and 1799. That's AFSCME, of course. Um, Neely and Sam Muma, president of AFSCME Local 1600, had announced their contract agreement during a news conference in April. That union represents about 200 hourly employees of the city. Local 1799 represents city supervisory employees and has 47 members, according to a city spokeswoman. Muma has said the um, deal with Local 1600 is a 26-month contract that provides a 2.5% wage increase and other benefits in its first year. Are unions experiencing a resurgence? Well, it seems like with, with the worker shortage in because of the pandemic, cases. you're seeing a number of places, I mean, even Starbucks here and there are organizing, and so I, after almost a 30-year or 40-year decline, I think you're seeing a little bit of a bump up in unions, and I think, frankly, settling these contracts also makes good politics for the for the mayor before the election uh, yes. as well. And I agree. And besides, uh, when people uh, get laid off uh, or 
stay home because of COVID and get dollars from Washington. They created a worker shortage. And some of the people at work were being abused, perhaps, by working long hours without uh, digital pay and stuff like that. So, obviously, it's going to be an opportunity for union sentiments to rise within those organizations. And... uh, so uh, and looks, it looks as though they are reestablishing themselves, at least in some small companies, companies in the restaurant businesses and all of those are key indicators. So, yeah, I do. Yeah, you're, you're seeing them in some rather unlikely places. Like I say, I think Starbucks, and I think that Amazon is facing some union organization and that, a number of other places too, but you're seeing at least an attempt to to see the rise, and, and what's dramatic is compared to to what it used to be, that the number of people in the private sector especially who belong to unions has gotten to be very, very small in recent years compared to what it was back in the 50s and 60s, around around here especially. But they have to be careful uh, in, when they go into these unions. They have to know where the money is going to come from to maintain those contract cuts. Contracts oh, in true. Michigan is everything. You don't break a contract. So you got to know what you're doing. So uh, I just wonder where they're going to get the dollars. Have they mapped out how they're going to get the dollars? <laughs> are they going to go from tax sources, from new businesses, or whatever? There, there are some questions that it raises right away. So that maybe you guys have point, Henry, with the city of Flint. I mean, the city of Flint, I mean, I, I, uh, those are nice, nice contracts, apparently. I, but again, the financial problems the city is facing are, are substantial, particularly with a declining population and declining tax base. So that's uh, it's a serious issue. Yes, it is. And that's why the city has to be very, very careful. It could collapse, particularly on the retirement. They've got to watch that. Oh, yeah, some real big, big issues uh, there. Because, they, yeah, they already owe buku dollars to the existing people who have retired and still live. And yes. how they're going to get out of that, I don't know. And now that we're going to start new contracts, we've got to make sure that the wages don't, uh, the increases don't always apply to um, the uh, standard wage, the hour, uh, standard wage per hour, because that multiplies in the contract. And it, you yeah. get into trouble like General Motors did over time. Uh, these uh, uh, absolute wages being applied to contracts will kill an organization like it did General Motors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the Republican vying to become Michigan's next attorney general is under criminal investigation for allegedly being one of the prime instigators of a scheme to illegally access voting machines in an effort to undermine the 2020 election, according to the office of Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. While it was already well known that GOP candidate Matthew DiPerno, who uh, received uh, former President Donald Trump's endorsement last September, could be the subject of a criminal probe for his work on the Antrim County election conspiracy lawsuit, the fact Nestle's office believes he may have broken the law raises substantial procedural and political questions. Her office wants a special prosecutor to take over the case and review whether charges are necessary. DiPerno suggests he's the victim of a witch hunt, and Republicans are set to formally choose their nominees for statewide office later this month. Is aging Nestle's incumbency pretty solid? 
Yes. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, she she was the one who, when she first got elected, she just barely made it through. It was very close elections, I recall. But now I think she has really solidified that. And with with these charges with the Perno, I mean, I, and I think the way she's handled it, the, the Nestle has handled it by passing off the prosecution to somebody else makes some sense too. But yeah, I you know, I, I I agree. She should not be engaged in that activity at all. She should let yeah. No, she she handled it at least as far as yeah. I know so far. Yeah. handled it well. Because otherwise it looks political. Oh, very definitely. Yeah, you don't want to don't want to be with the person charging your 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 election opponent in court. It, it just it's got a terrible look to it. So, uh, uh, Paul, I, uh, um, I wanted to argue with you this to show people we're like the people in Washington. We argue <laughs> over everything. We want to downgrade the state, but I can't. I just can't. It doesn't. Logic doesn't make that happen. You know, that's all this right to turn it over. In in the early days yeah. of armchair politics, when uh, when J D Weingarten and and Bob Winford used to go at it, they they stopped talking about issues a couple of uh, <laughs> a, a couple of weeks into doing the show, and it was just a screaming match back and forth. Uh, and I, yes, <laughs> and I actually I had somebody stop me one day and say, "Yeah, I listened to that armchair politics on your show with those two guys yelling at each other." <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what they knew of the show. That's yeah, right. Well, and, and then they go back and ask, "Well, what's wrong with Washington?" It's they, because these yeah. shows that you demand, exactly. you create that ambiance for that kind of. Well, with, with, stuff, J- with JD and Bob, you're going to get that kind of a show, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they they finally had kind of a falling out, and um, I decided it was. Time, time to change the temperature, and uh, it's it's. I think it's it's been a cool seventy degrees ever since. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, let's take a look. Um, it's, it, it's scary how fast the time is going by when you miss an hour. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I just just a quick one in passing without doing all the setup. Um, any predictions on uh, Tudor Dixon's pick for uh, lieutenant governor? Yeah, I have a couple. Can I go yeah, first yeah, to Paul? Sure. I would like to see um, Mike Bouchard or our own sheriff, who we have to bring some units of government back together. And law enforcement is one of them. And both of these guys are well-known and well-liked, not only in Michigan, but nationwide. I like Mike Bouchard. Mike Bouchard is the, is the right party. I think. Um, yeah. I think yes. Chris Swanson would be a Democrat. I don't know if. He yeah, yeah, as far as I know, he's a solid Democrat. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but I, uh, I think he could. The the governor can choose whoever she wants. And I remember Lincoln had Johnson. That's true. Yeah, you're right, Henry. I mean, politically, if 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 she could pull it off, if Swanson would take yeah. it, that would be a smart political move. I yeah. Can't but Mike Bouchard is probably the more favorable. But 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 I like our yeah. own sheriff too. I think he seems fair and just. You know, he's, he's done some really remarkable people. things. I I must say, I, I uh, some of his policies are real solid kind of things. I give him credit. Well, there were a couple suggested uh, in an article from the Detroit Free Press that might be under consideration. Um, former Congressman Mike Bishop, Republican yeah. from Rochester. Yeah, Mike Bishop. 
And uh, former state House Speaker Jace Bolger, Republican from Marshall. Mm. Yeah. How about how about uh, Craig from who, who was a gubernatorial candidate himself? You know the the problem with that is um, I, I I think from the article that was in the Free Press, insiders are saying they're trying to shore up her lack of governmental oh, administrative okay. yeah, experience yeah, um, yeah. in their selection and I I don't know that James Craig quite fits that bill. Probably true. Yeah. Well Yeah. No, I don't think he does. Either. I mean he does check a lot of boxes, there's no doubt yeah. about that. That's right. I I can see him being particular in fact speaking of that, did anybody ever hear how many votes he got in the write in? I never saw any total for his write in campaign. I didn't yeah. see any either. I didn't yeah. see any. I looked for them. But. Yeah, I think he got passed by with five people yeah. on the ballot. Yeah, I, I mean, I I'm sure it was not competitive. Enough, I'm just curious as, as to how many he actually got for all the talk he did about a right in you gotta, you gotta, You got to move the needle. You can't, just can't have one and two. He, he was probably the only more. one that wrote himself in, and a poll worker yeah. mistook it for an autograph. And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Now, this is what we're going to show rise, (laughs) rise in favorability. Well, the the FBI (laughs) search of former President Donald Trump's residence in Florida on Monday signaled an extraordinary escalation of an investigation into the handling of certain documents from his presidency and raises questions about whether his legal exposure extends beyond whether he improperly took government records when he left the White House. What exactly the FBI was searching for and why is still unknown, but to obtain a search warrant, investigators would have had to show a judge that there was probable cause of a crime and that evidence of that crime was located at Mar-a-Lago, Trump's Palm Beach uh, resort. Is this connected to the Congressional Select Committee hearings about January 6th or something completely different? I think it all goes back to January 6th. Uh, you know, bottom line is I don't know. I mean, it could be all kinds of things, and it's pure speculation. My only thought is I hope if they're going to do this, they better have something. Because I can, yeah. I mean, if, if they come up with nothing, Trump's going to do a victory dance to claim he's being persecuted. So that, that I, I hope there was something concrete there. Um, and guys, so. uh, there was an article written yesterday by uh, New York Times uh, by uh, Robert Jackson, David Jackson, I think. And it said that uh, Trump was meeting with uh, the congressional delegation at his home in New York. Now, mm-hmm. this, now th- that meeting has to follow the Open Meetings Act. And you've got to give the public 18 hours if it's an emergency meeting. Did it follow the, um, the Open Meetings Act? Or did they doesn't forget that, about Doesn't that apply just to governmental bodies of meetings? I mean, yeah, but they were meeting, they got meeting in governmental buildings. I mean, hmm. you, can't, you just can't go out and read where, meet where the public can't meet because you're serving the public. And I, I just want to know how good you guys are at the stuff you always talk yeah, about. I don't know. It, uh, <laughs> but it's something to ask a question about. Maybe you have somebody yeah. in the audience that can answer that question. 
Did but he have a fireball? Yeah, I mean, there's all kind of a firestorm around the Mar-a-Lago search. I mean, I just, as I say, I hope there's something concrete there because I can see Trump. And in fact, I've already seen some some postings already of these claiming he's being persecuted by the deep state and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, but as you say, it it's, it wasn't it wasn't like Joe Biden did it. It was a, a, the uh, the Attorney General and and a court who had to issue that uh, that search warrant. But please don't escape my point here. I, I know we're talking about, first of all, did, was that a legal action? I, you know, I, I mean, there would be too much in the haste uh, to follow the law. You mean, you mean the search? Yeah, and, and besides yeah, yeah, well, the I, law. I, I, besides yeah, well, the I, law. I can say it. Uh, so I, I have not heard which judge it was. I'd be kind of curious to find out if it was a, a judge appointed by Donald Trump or somebody else. But who, whoever no, but the Congress, it was going to have the House meet at his home in New York. And that isn't where the action took place, the illegal oh, action oh, took this, place. Let me, uh, there are a lot of questions about that. Yeah, so I, yeah. I think they may have to toss this one. If they had people in there who are listening to your show, Tom, and thinking about it, was did they allow the proper time to give the public the right to notice so they could attend? Can well, they attend? You know, there are so many things in the news that I wanted to get into, and of course we got cut off because of some technical problems. Um, but uh, one of the things that I want to add in uh, for conversation today before we run out of time is um, what is Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi doing in Taiwan? That's, yeah. I, <laughs> Scary. Uh, I had a similar reaction. I mean, it, the reaction was interesting, and she really made a big deal about it, but it seemed like it stirred up an awful lot of, of uh, ruffled a lot of feathers that, maybe didn't need to be ruffled, and I'm not quite sure what yeah. the, the full, full point was. I, you know, I had a similar reaction to that. Well, when she first, when rumors first came out that she was headed over there, I thought maybe she's going to go over and try and encourage some American chip manufacturers to come back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or maybe she's going to try and, and woo some Taiwanese chip makers to come to the states, specifically California, <laughs> you know, acting, right, yeah, acting more as a congressperson from California than right. uh, than than Speaker of the House. Um, but but then I thought I, he was going to ease uh, uh, diplomatic relationships. And then I wondered about that, too, if it was some some kind of way to remind China that the U.S. still is a protect is still interested in protecting Taiwan's yeah. autonomy and, yeah. and if not full independence. Um, and I wonder too, but was she the right uh, choice? Well, I'm, I'm wondering was that was that done because uh, in her home, I'm guessing I'm pure guesswork here, but I'm guessing in her home district she's got a significant Chinese population, and it, maybe that sells well for her own. Her own constituency. I, I, that was one thought that occurred to me when I first heard about that. Um, but she went as the leader of the nation, not just the yeah, yeah. Olympics. As I say, this is bigger it's than just a uh, member of Congress from from California. 
Um, yeah. So it just struck <laughs> me as, as she was an unusual choice to play whatever role she was playing. Over yeah, there. and it sounded like like uh, the White House was pretty cool to the idea. They were not very excited yeah. about her going there and so forth. So. I this is whatever was whatever her motive was. I'm not quite sure what it was, but I say I, my thought was maybe it's it was going to sell well back home in her home district if she had some worries there. I don't know. But also, but she, she should be commissioned by members of Congress or the president or something. You just don't go walking into another country with a blank sheet of paper. I mean, you you let people know I'm going there for this or that, and here's what I think my outcome is going to be. So I let you guys know up in front, so we're not left in suspicion. And I think yeah, so that was the gist of your question, yeah. Tom. I mean, as far as I know, nothing substantive was decided. I mean, she came out in favor of democracy and gave a boost to the democratic forces in Taiwan and all that. But I'm not aware, at least, of any kind of formal agreement of anything with regard to to chip making or anything else for that matter that came out of the of her visit that I'm aware of. <clears throat> so I don't know, but it was an odd visit. Another big thing in the news, and we just have uh, a little under three minutes till we go to break, um, was. Uh, the death of uh, Al Qaeda leader Ayman uh, El Zawahiri, I think mm-hmm. is how you say it, Zawahiri, mm-hmm. um, from a U.S. drone strike in in the president's announcement of that, and he was considered to be an architect and um, a, a key figure in the the planning and implementation of the September 11th terrorist attack in uh, 2001 um is zawahiri likely to be replaced and and how soon well you know if you don't fill it with something something will fill it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean yeah my, my guess is probably somebody's going to rise up and make yeah. a name we haven't right heard of yet but uh, yeah yeah the organization is still there uh, I, I would ex- I would expect the the next ass- assistant vice president of whatever terrorism is going to rise up and take the job. Probably. They're waiting in line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. let's see. We got about a minute and a half before we go to break, and then we're going to come back with the uh, with the X Files. So I will just. Uh, take care of a little bit of housekeeping here i've got I, i've got a half a dozen stories we could talk about but we'd never squeeze them in in a minute and 20 seconds um but i did announce earlier on the show today that uh the show is going to be coming to uh an end at the end of the month actually on september 2nd the the friday before labor day um and uh then we had technical difficulties um, ironically. Yeah, like I say, be, be careful what you announce. And <laughs> maybe, yeah. the, maybe the announcement caused something to shut down in, your, in the studio. Well, what I, I was going to say is um, be, because I was able to get back up and on the air, the first and third hours of today's show are completely intact and will be playing as such. And I think I will be able to edit a second hour using the first... Uh, we were on the air for about eight minutes with today's show before the technical difficulty, and I think what I'll do is splice in 
the uh, the other 52 minutes from the the first hour of last week's show. Uh, so uh, for the rest of the day, there will be a show playing, but it may seem a little out of sequence, uh, um, and that's why. Anyway, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, the X Files, and today's show is not one of them. <laughs> hey, this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, Go to a local symphony concert. Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. 
Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company, and then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. It'd be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Yeah, I'm here. I'm having okay. a little... <coughs> Something didn't start playing like it was supposed to. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry. I panicked. It you guys see those days, yeah. Let's see. Maybe, I, maybe it'll work on this one. Uh, for some reason, the CD players aren't working properly. That's completely weird. Well, well, <laughs> that's this something is, else. This is very much something very else. Very much I'll an X Files kind of day. Yeah, yeah, something else. I'll have to check out and find out why that's why that's not working. I'll be darned. Mm. Well, that's. Uh, oh, you know what? I bet. If I want to get fancy here. <laughs> I love the optimism. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll well, work sooner or later. The CD players aren't working, but I might have the... Um, Backup. Yeah. Look at that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> optimism. That's optimism. Well, that's having backups to backups, Henry. <laughs> right. On <laughs> days like this, it helps. Well, anyway, you know what that music means. It's time for the, uh, the X-Files. And this is, uh, this is a weird one. A woman in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> 
with uh, with an open bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey in a bag Ooh. was arrested for driving a golf cart on Florida's busiest interstate while drunk, <laughs> according to an arrest report. The 58-year-old woman was arrested Saturday night on the shoulder of I-95. She is now facing misdemeanor charges of disorderly intoxication in a public place and resisting an officer without violence. According to a Florida Highway Patrol report, a semi-truck driver spotted the woman driving in the golf cart in the center lane of, inter- oh my God. <laughs> of Interstate 95 in Brevard County, which is the heart of Florida's Space Coast. The truck driver used her, her semi to steer the golf cart driver to the shoulder of the interstate, troopers said. Once on the shoulder, the truck driver grabbed the keys to the golf cart as the woman tried to drive away. Once troopers arrived at the scene, the woman started arguing with them and insisted she needed her bag. Inside the bag, troopers found the open bottle of Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire Whiskey. According to authorities, Interstate 95, which stretches up and down the East Coast, is Florida's busiest interstate highway, according to the Federal Highway Administration. Does drinking on the golf course cause people to believe that golf carts are exempt from drunk driving laws? <laughs> yeah, they could. <laughs> yeah, is there a law against driving drunk on a golf course? I don't know about that. Yeah. And besides, you only get a misdemeanor. Instead of a felony. Yeah. yeah. Actually, she's wow. lucky to be alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, had to dodge some, golf I've had to dodge some weird things on the expressway, but never a golf cart yet. That's true. That is true. Gee. Uh, but only in Florida, right? Yeah. <clears throat> now, here's, here's a real strange one. When Camp Counselor... Allie Tarantino was flipping through a magazine years ago. He came upon a familiar name. Mark Zuckerberg. He rifled through boxes of memorabilia in his basement, running his fingers over old photos, newspapers, and bus maps before finding a baseball card featuring a very young Zuckerberg grinning in a red jersey and gripping a bat. Three decades later, Tarantino is hoping that a signed baseball card featuring one of the richest men in the world will bring a fortune (laughs) when it's put up for auction next month. It's like my version of a midlife crisis. I'm 50 years old. What am I going to do with this? Tarantino joked. As told by Tarantino, who still works summers at Elmwood Day Camp in Westchester, New York, Zuckerberg, then age eight or nine, offered the card he'd had printed as a parting gift at the end of camp 30 years ago. The card will also be auctioned off as a digital collector's item, a so-called NFT or non-fungible token. That has been uh, a popular way to own memorabilia. Zuckerberg posted about the auction Thursday on Instagram, partly as a way to promote NFT technology in general, but also to help promote NFTs across his company's platforms. Which is harder to believe, that Tarantino kept the card all these years, or that Mark Zuckerberg played baseball? That's right. Mark Zuckerberg played baseball. 
Well, of course, yeah, that's the ideal time that kids do all kind of things. They have no idea. And he had a card made it in the process. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the amazing yeah. part to me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting piece of information. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe it may be a very rare collectible. I don't know. People will collect yeah. strange things, and that could make me go for an awful lot of money. You never know. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you like Lord Zuckerberg or not. It's just that interesting piece of information for a well, yeah, story on stuff. What eight- or nine-year-old kid has baseball cards made to give away that's, that's as souvenirs yeah. when they leave Did, uh, uh, summer camp? He was an entrepreneur. Crank out some baseball cards? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) And eight years old, it just shows he had the entrepreneur. (laughs) Right. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of uh, The X-Files and Armchair Politics. My apologies to Wes Whitaker, who got uh, knocked off during the technical outage. I did try to, to reach him, um... During uh, one of the breaks, I left him a message to to call in if he got the message, uh, and and I haven't heard from him. So we just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, maybe well, we wish you the I best, West. <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> um, yeah. In, in any event, I want to I want to say thanks to um, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, who showed once again today that they are tremendous troopers, and it's it's a, a real treat to have you involved. We have some good episodes of the show still coming up this month, but uh, we'll be we'll be wrapping it up at the end of this month. But I, I hope I can count on you to stand by if if I do other things in the future. Oh, I'd yeah, like to be able absolutely. To call you know, I, like I said, I, I've always enjoyed when you've had the uh, the candidate forums and all. I always thought those were very, very helpful yes. anyway. So that was a great idea. If the, maybe that's something to look at in the future. Well, maybe maybe, maybe we'll you can still like do that. both. Uh, you can do both, Tom. Just cut down on the amount of time you do this and you can still do something else but you're good at this well Not i've had you people be good suggest at i've had people suggest that maybe i want to go to a once a week uh thing yeah. you know maybe maybe we just um you know rejuvenate uh, armchair politics down the road and i just do that once a week or maybe do a podcast of uh some sort um uh, doing interviews i've thought about uh, doing an open phone line kind of thing for a while but i, I don't know if i'm going to do any of that the first thing i'm going to do is um take a break from the grind good that's 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 yeah you've been working awfully hard with this for the last 15 years yes I mean, you have it's one thing for for henry and i to pop in for a couple hours on wednesday but you do it five days a week yeah. three hours a day and loads of preparation for all those three hours that's, Think that's about nothing to all of the preparation he has to do. To and, was, to and I was thinking question. about some of the some of the really fun people that have been on the show, and it, like um, Kurt Vonnegut's son was on the show recently. Uh, oh, Sergeant Shriver's son was on the show recently. Coming up before I before I uh, ride off into the sunset, Charles Schultz's son will be on the show. Oh, that's interesting. You got three more shows, right? Well, we've got three more armchair politics. I've got a whole bunch of shows. (laughs) In fact, Friday I have a show that we did from Back to the Bricks, a rare Saturday show with... uh, Yeah, I I saw that posting. Yeah, Joel by co-hosting, just in honor of uh, Back to the Bricks. Anyway, 
time to say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. To acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.